The Start. On Demand. On Demand. The Winnipeg Jets lost again Sunday night to fall behind three games to none to the Montreal Canadiens heading into game four Monday night. Much to discuss as we wonder aloud, was the first round a fluke? It's Bike to Work Day to kick off Bike Week Winnipeg, and if you're like me and want to get back on a bike but are maybe too scared to do so, turns out there are a lot of ways you can get to and fro safely on a bike. And with the Jets down three games to none, they need a comeback. So we had a lot of fun this morning going through some of your favorite comeback songs. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, June 7th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, you know, when we came out of the long weekend, I think it's safe to say we were all surprised at what position the Winnipeg Jets were in. And I think it's probably safe to say coming out of this weekend, we're all surprised at the position the Winnipeg Jets are in. Is that uh, a fair assessment, Greg Mackling? That's very fair, Brett McGarry. I was thinking about this last night. Oh, boy. If today had been a holiday, we might have been coming on the air tomorrow morning to talk about the end of the Winnipeg Jets season because that's where they find themselves backs to the wall on the brink of elimination all the different terminology and cliches apply here as the Jets find themselves down three nothing to Montreal one nothing game on Friday night did not feel like a one nothing game that game didn't feel really close at all I didn't think the Jets had all that many opportunities never really felt as though they were going to get into that game even though it was a one goal game it almost Loren, I don't know how you feel about it, but last night's game, even though it was a 5-1 final, last night's game almost felt closer than the game on Friday night, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and the thing about last night's game uh, is the frustration that, uh, that I, as a fan, was feeling. I was listening to the game on the drive home, and so the, that was the only highlight, quite frankly, for me, was Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas, and, of course, the intermission with Kelly Moore and gang, and, and, and the ups and downs of just being, like, thinking we were in and then and just could not get in the net. And then that second period, I think there had to – was there not two crossbars and two posts uh, within a five-minute span that we hit? And it just it – just, I just kept yelling, get it in the net! And it was so frustrating. And the other thing I'm having a hard part now as a fan is I want to see, I don't know if I need to see more passion from the team or I don't, I certainly don't want to see more anger or more penalties or things like that. Just, I, I, I keep hearing this phrase like trust the process, Greg. Is, has that been repeated a few <laughs> times by Paul Maurice and players? And I'm not sure what the process is because the process should be winning and, uh, or, or getting the goal first or getting a goal in the game. Like I just, I don't know what to think anymore. Well, the process uh, is something that you'll hear coaches talk about a lot and players talk about a lot. But, it's game uh, Brett, four. Y- y- well, it's it's game it's game fifty six, uh, game sixty three, I guess. Oh. And they and it's all ab- it's all about that's all they talk about is the process. How we want to go about our business. How do we want to do this? What does the game look like? If we're in charge of of the process, uh, we should win more often. Then we lose. But uh, Brett, I think that's the big difference here. Montreal is absolutely in charge. The Jets have net yet to score the first goal. The Jets have yet to have a lead. Montreal is dictating the pace of play. 
and the Jets are are being forced to react at, at every turn because Montreal scores that early goal. They're fairly good defensively. Uh, Carey Price is a terrific goaltender. Jets are not making life miserable for him in any way, shape, or form. And they're actually making it pretty easy. They're making it look very easy right now for the Montreal Canadiens. So here's your question of the day at cjob.com. It's brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is quite simple. Are the Winnipeg Jets finished? Your options are, yeah, they're done. They might win a couple, or it ain't over till it's over. So cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also put that up on Twitter, at 680CJOB. And we'll talk more about the Jets at 637. Kelly Moore's got the Daily Jets update at 655. Sounds of the game at 755. Keys to the game at 811, because game four tonight. And then Bob Irving at 837 with our weekly sports chat. Also got to talk today about the heat, because I think we're used to our roads sustaining significant damage from the cold, but for it to be so hot for the road to buckle the wren, that's not something I'm used to. No, and it's when those pictures first started appearing on social media, I think the first one I saw was over at Chief Pegwas, and it just someone wrote, I think this is from the heat or something like that, and my first response was, no, <laughs> that's not. <laughs> and then I thought, no, that is for sure. That, that does happen. It has happened. I know in a heat wave... That if we hearken back to use that phrase, the 1930s, I want to say that was really extensive heat wave in July of of that year. That the roads buckled and that the the metal girdings on bridges had a really hard time. And there's all sorts of things that can happen when it gets too hot. And I we had talked earlier in the week, Brett, uh, in the lead up to what was the, that record setting heat day on Friday, and of course more heat Saturday about the hottest we'd ever been. And I had had said, you know, I think it was Afghanistan. Well, on by Friday into Saturday, I thought, I don't know if I've ever been hotter in Manitoba. And I felt so bad for anyone who could not get out of that heat with air conditioning or a jump in some water or a splash pad if they couldn't get to or a lake or whatever it was, because man, oh man, the roads were buckling. I think we hit temperatures not seen since the dirty 30s in that heat wave I referenced. So it was unbelievable, Greg. And it just felt like it was once it finally the relief came with some rain or wherever you were wind, it felt so good. Yeah, I was thinking of a lot of other people over the weekend that don't have air conditioning. Somebody tweeted out, and I'm pretty sure I retweeted it, uh, you know, air conditioning is is a luxury. And if you don't uh, understand this tweet, you have air conditioning. And the point is so many people struggling over the weekend. I know Clay Young had a conversation with uh, Constable Rob Carver about the heat and the effect it might have on crime in the city. We know that heat waves and crime can sometimes go hand in hand. Uh, people get frustrated, shorter fuses, all sorts of issues outside of the normal, uh, oh, it's so hot. Uh, lots of things to think about societally as well. So uh, it was one of those weekends uh, looking fairly warm, but not nearly as hot for the week, Brett. And of course, with heat tends to come storms. It seem to be much ado about nothing in Winnipeg other than a spectacular light show. But of course, we saw that uh, damage uh, not far from here, Lorraine and Niverville. 
Yeah, so the roof on there's an old, they built a brand new rink in Niverville um, that's supposed to open in this fall, be ready to go. And right next to it is the old rink that they had just finished putting on some siding onto it and, and uh, touching it up in some ways and sheet metal had flown off it. And I feel like one of the saving graces is right next to it is this uh, outdoor rink with fencing. And it feels like it all fell into that and caught and blew up against that because who knows where that metal siding would have flown uh, in those high winds and then east and southeast of here, Cleefell. Steinbach, hydro poles down, all sorts of different sheds knocked down, uh, different things happening and different people. Trampolines seem to be the real problem and uh, trampolines blowing all over the place. And so we weren't we weren't home and all the kids kept saying is like, is there going to be a trampoline when we get home? And it's like, ah. but but uh, our the side of our railing in our neighborhood um, where the deck is, is all busted and blown off because... Um, the lid off the unusable hot tub flew off and hit it and knocked it down. And so it really was some incredible winds. And then, of course, in the middle of this, we step out onto the deck. Uh, the, there's a lone chair that's just sitting there perfectly still, sitting by the table. But the railing's been knocked down and all sorts of other things have flown all over the place. And we're talking about comebacks because the Winnipeg Jets began the weekend with a one Nothing home ice loss to the Montreal Canadiens on Friday night. Last night, the team lost 5-1 in Montreal, their third consecutive playoff game loss, and they now find themselves, Loren, on the brink of elimination tonight. Yeah, and that has so many Jets fans, the players, I'm sure, the coach, asking where's the team that won four straight versus Edmonton. We swept the Oilers, and now here we are facing an elimination down 3 nothing. And we know one of the keys to the Habs' success has been scoring the first goal of the game. The Jets have yet to do that. They've yet to take the lead. Captain Blake Wheeler did talk about getting that first goal tonight and the difference it can make. Game four can, can flip everything on its head, and um, you know then you just build tension. And uh, that, that's what we got to do. We just got to find a way to try to win a hockey game and excuse me, then we can breathe a little bit. They can kind of have to think about it for a couple of days and then it slowly builds. And that's, how, that's, that's, what, that's what happens. Now the Jets are struggling to put bodies in front of Canadiens goalie Carey Price. It has been far too easy for one of the best goalies of all time to see the puck, Coach Paul Maurice. It's a challenge for sure, getting net front on that team. They got, they got four pretty powerful men back there that uh, keep that area clear. So we got to get some speed to the net. If we can't do it with size, it's got to be done with quickness. Plenty of short answers from the coach last night, guys. And in the Oilers series, I, I see it this way. The, the mission was well-defined. Stop or at least do your best to contain uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid. And if you manage that, you should be able to compete. And that's exactly what the Jets did. You know, And it was a four-game series, three games that went to overtime against Edmonton. So that series was a lot closer than a four-game sweep. With the Canadians, here's my question. Who are you trying to shut down? They don't have any obvious superstars. So every line, almost every shift, it seems Montreal is using their speed, which is absolutely deadly in a lot of games. Uh, Montreal is limiting the Jets' passing game. How frustrating has it been to watch, to listen? The way Montreal gets in the way of pucks, efficiently passes and shots, it's making the Jets look very inept on several fronts. And the inability of the Jets to cleanly enter the Montreal zone, 
it's beyond frustrating and the ability conversely of the Canadians to create chaos in and around Connor Hellebuck is the biggest difference in the series. In my mind, Uh, Montreal gains the jet zone. They get pucks to the net with teammates in the eyes of Hellebuck. And here's something a lot of us, I think are asking, what does this series even look like if the jets don't have number 37 in that here's jets forward adam lowry and i mean it's it's getting to the net it's it's getting in the eyes of Carey price it's it's being hard on pucks and you know not really allowing them any easy ice in in front of our goalie that's you know i, I think you saw a couple goals tonight where you know to, they, they get around our net and i, I think we, we can do a better job of you know, boxing out even some of the saves that hell he had to make so um you know it's just making it a lot harder for them to earn that ice in front of our goalie and you know kind of working harder to, to get the pucks and get our bodies uh, to, to their net. Yeah, and the Jets miss defenseman Dylan DeMello immensely as well, in my opinion. Uh, what do you do if you're the Jets? How do you approach game four tonight, Loren? This one's for you. You can't reinvent the wheel now. You, you can't start over and try to do something completely different. Uh, I think there's some things in our game that we really like, some things we can clean up, certainly, and... Um, Hopefully we get a bounce to go our way. You know, hopefully one goes off one of their sticks and ricochets in on, into the net, and you know we'll take we'll take a lead and um, see how it looks from there. But you know, outside of that, you you, you know you, you can't you can't doubt the process. Can't doubt the process, and I know that I heard that several times <laughs> over the past few days, and I know you did that. I think to like a thorn in my side that word process, but I get it. You can't reinvent the real wheel. I understand that, and I understand now after the frustration I felt in the second. I can only imagine how players felt about not getting the. I used to hate that quote. We just got to get some bounces in the net. You know, we're just not getting the bounces going our way. Man, we're getting nothing going our way. And so here we are, four times in NHL history, a team has come back from three games to nothing deficit. The Jets have two players who have experienced that massive turnaround. So we have forward Trevor Lewis, who was a member of the LA Kings, who came back from 3 nothing to defeat the San Jose Sharks and ultimately win the Stanley Cup in 2014. So that sounds pretty good. Blake Wheeler was on the Boston Bruins team who lost four straight to the Philadelphia Flyers in 2010. And Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun asked Wheeler about how one win can change everything. As if my night can't get any worse. <laughs> got to bring that one up. These are all learning experiences. Um, unfortunately, I've had to learn some tough lessons in the playoffs. Um, that being a, a really tough one to learn. I mean, it's no different than what Montreal is doing right now. I mean, they were dead in the water down three to one to Toronto. They, they got, they got one out in overtime and, momentum swing so you know that that that, that's all it is it's the the playoffs are all momentum and right now they're an extremely confident team in what they're doing and they're getting results from that and you know we're on the other side of the pendulum right now we're we don't have a ton of confidence and um you know we're kind of scratching and clawing to find it you have to be an optimist to be a professional athlete blake wheeler one more time how optimistic are you are you throwing in the towel what songs get you ready to battle back, to reach deep, prepare you for a personal comeback, Blake? Game four can can flip everything on its head and, um, you know, then you just build tension. And uh, that, that's what we got to do. We just got to find a way to try to win a hockey game. And, excuse me, then we can breathe a little bit. They can kind of have to think about it for a couple of days and then it slowly builds. And that's how, that's. That's what, that's what happens. So our question of the day, once again, at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Let's measure your level of optimism. Are the Winnipeg Jets finished? 
So far at CJOB.com, we've got 69% say, yeah, they're done. 25% say, it ain't over till it's over. And 6% say they might win a couple. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have this week, every day this week, a Manitoba Turkey Producers Prize Package with a frozen Manitoba Raised Grade A whole turkey, 3 to 5 kilograms in size, reusable insulated grocery bag, digital meat thermometer, barbecue scraper, basting brush, jar gripper, and some flyers and recipe booklets. And in order to win that, we need you to text us today at 204-780-6868. We want to discuss the music that makes you think comeback. Jets need a big comeback. So is there a song that helps you dust yourself off when you feel like you need a boost? Or maybe there's a song you like that talks about a comeback, or maybe there's an inspiring song or a piece of music from a movie or TV show that's linked to a comeback. Like, for example, well, I'll just play this. He's cut! He's cut! Russian's cut! And it's a bad cut! And now it's Rocky Balboa coming after Ivan Drago! It's a gutter war. That's from Rocky IV, when Rocky's taking on Ivan Drago. And the theme is called War. And I still listen to that, especially when I go for walks in the winter. So text us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. Let's go around the horn here. we got Cam Poitras, Jeff Braun, Jeff Fortier, and of course, Mackling McGarry and McNabb. Cam Poitras, start it up. Well, I have to start off with uh, the musical that's so ruined all music for me. <laughs> I gotta go with Hamilton. Join us right now, together we can turn the tide. I need to pick me up. This is what I need to listen to. I was listening to this weekend, if you can probably imagine. And uh, yeah, it's a comeback, man. Alexander Hamilton, guy born in uh, in the Caribbean, comes back. Big general. Here we go. Yeah, just uh, it's ruined all music for me. Actually, I just love it so much. Ruined all music. Like, Pretty you much. Can't listen to anything else. Can't, can't listen. Jeff Braun, you've watched <laughs> Hamilton. Well, yeah, I'm, Hamilton's I'm a great joking, pick. But yeah, I've uh, I listened to some of that this weekend as well. And you'll be glad to know, Cam, that I think this Friday is Lin Manuel Miranda's new musical film comes out in the Heights. So yes. you might have another soundtrack to yeah. get into right there. Big man. fan. Yeah, uh, I picked something a little more uh, standard. You hear it still at almost every single sporting event. It's just uh, an all-around, um, all-purpose rock song that will suits every situation, including comebacks. And, of course, it's ACDC's Thunderstruck. Is oh, it? I thought Fortier was going to play it. So. There you go. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to sing, Braun. <laughs> I almost just started singing. I like when he sings about when he says we went to Texas. Yeah, Texas. That just that just cracks me up every single time. Um, this song came out about 30 years ago, and like Metallica's Black Album, I consider it new ACDC. People say, Jeff, have you heard the new ACDC? I say, yeah, the one with Thunderstruck. I have it on cassette. Thanks. It's awesome. Well done, sir. Well done, uh, Greg Macklin. What about you? 
Well, my personal theme song is blocked by the Foo Fighters for a whole bunch of personal reasons. And this song has zero relevance with regard to sport or anything. I don't even know what they're singing about. Getting lucky, uh, going to a bar. I don't know what it's about, but the uh, but the chorus is one yes. that uh, people love a lot. And it usually marks the time for everybody to go home when you're having a house party. Because you can typically tell, yeah, you've had too much to drink. It's time for you to go. <laughs> Because your singing is terrible, but don't stop believing by Journey. One of our listeners, Gene, already uh, texted that in, and I agree. It's a song that really kind of gets you going. Good choice, Gene. Good choice, Greg. Loren McNabb, what about you? Don't stop believing. See, this is what I want from fans tonight. I'm so tired of the fact that we, I get it, we can't go to the games, but I'm missing out on that camaraderie that would be at the games, that whole whisper that would move through the rink where you would say, hang on, guys, keep it together. We can still do this, that positive momentum instead of all the negativity that I see from fans on Twitter. So this song, I get it. No one in the locker room is saying, let's fire up the song with some bongos. Nobody's saying, let's turn on some country. But, Garth Brooks, life is not tried. It is merely survived if you're standing outside the fire. You gotta get in, gotta be willing to get burned. I have played this so many times in life. And then I jump on the couch right here, little air fiddle. (laughs) Yeah! You gotta get excited, people! I love the air fiddle. Life I love the air is fiddle not whenever tried. I can. It is merely survive if you're standing. Okay? Get in the fire, boys! Let's have some positive energy! You hear me? Bongos! <laughs> Great pick, Loren McNabb. Jeff Forte, what about you, bud? Uh, mine is, well, just. What a yeah. hard rock! my own personal comeback i've been trying to jog or run and you know after a, a couple of minutes you know i'm breathing heavily and i'm trying to find that power to power through and uh, so yeah this song really uh helps me with my comeback of uh trying to get in better shape i, I was driving to texas with my family one time and this song yeah texas we were dri- yeah texas, texas. Yes, yes texas we were driving. did you have some fun we did <laughs> some dancers but we were driving there and, and this song trapped headstrong because obviously you're going through the radio stations and you're going south. I heard it 20 times a day because it was on all the time. So every time I hear this song, that's what I think of. Excellent choice, Jeff Forte. So now here's what we need from you. We need you to text us your songs, but also tell us a story to go with that song. Why is it your song? Does it have a personal connection to you? 204-780-6868. Chance to win that Manitoba Turkey Producers package, which we will give away. Just after 9.15, getting a couple of choices. Kristen likes the song Happy by Pharrell. Lloyd, Lloyd, likes Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. So keep them coming, 204-780-6868. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, some Whitesnake. Here I go again, as selected by Lloyd, as a great comeback song. Jets need a big comeback. Text us at 204-780-6868. Songs that inspire a comeback for you. And we've also got our Jets cheer line, 204-780-6800. You can call in and cheer for your Jets and leave us a message. And We've had some wonderful musical selections and this person here has called a few times and left some creative actually i think we played one of theirs last week there was the 
the Wu-Tang Clan and Johnny Cash. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Uh, well, this this made me smile first thing this morning. Yeah, boy, Slim Jim Lee just got back from Gimli. And I just wanted to say, don't you worry there, Jets fans. We're going to be okay. I sure hope so. I got my shoelaces crossed. I got my eyes crossed. And I even got my dots crossed. Because I dot my eyes and I cross my T's. Never mind. Everybody knows, yo. <laughs> go, Jets, go. We got to do this. Un, deux, trois. And then we do it a one, two, three, four. In English, all right? Come on, guys, don't lose faith. I know that price is tough, but let's go! All right, uh, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. in the morning. Yeah, who cares? I'm on holidays. <laughs> 2.27 in the morning. <laughs> who cares? I'm on holidays. You know, keep the thing that you just got to take away from that, great energy and keep the faith, man. You got to keep the faith. Yeah, we've had... Living loose a little bit, right? Maybe just go out and and do what you do. Do the thing that you do well and uh, damn the torpedoes and just... uh, just you really need to find your own game and not be so concerned with what Montreal is doing. You might have to modify things somewhat, but yeah, you know, there's a terminology that comes to mind. Let's just go all out. I'll modify it that way. Yeah. yeah. What else can you do? You gotta what do you, insert every cliche here. You gotta leave it all on the table. Or <laughs> you your do. Backs, backs against the wall. We just gotta yeah. come out swinging. Get some bounces in that net. You, you <laughs> miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So just take some shots. Yeah. Like my understanding of how it works is the team that puts the puck in the net more often emerges victorious. So the Jets You're just hired. have to do that. Most of the got a job for you. Jets analysis right there. Boom. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're asking you at 204 780 text us about the songs that scream comeback to you. 9.15, we're giving away a Manitoba Turkey Producers prize pack based on your text messages. And this one from Jackie, Titanium by David Guetta and Sia? Sia or Sia? I always mix that it's one up. It's Sia. Sia, okay. Sia. I yeah. forgot about that. See you later. <laughs> the problem with this song is it gets really high. It's kind of like Journey. You're like, yeah, show me down. You're yeah. trying to sing along with it. And you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, because I was. if I sing along, yeah, this part here. Nothing to lose. Yes. Far, far away. And you're good. Far but away. Then. I sound more like the guy from Creed. The one I'm doing. Can that. you take <laughs> me higher? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Jack- here we go. You should have done. Can't well, no, I can get fall. that. I am titanium. <laughs> Jackie goes on to say, I remind my daughter, who is a goalkeeper, about how strong she is when she is feeling defeated. She's titanium. So, Jackie, great suggestion. Love it. Keep them coming at 204 780 6868. GMAC, it's Monday. Who do we talk to at 8.35? Bob Irving standing by, collecting his thoughts. If you follow him on Twitter, you know how he felt about last night's hockey game. He'll share those thoughts with us at 8.37. We'll talk about the CPL playing all their games here in Winnipeg to start the season. Kind of an unusual situation, to be sure. And uh, we'll sneak in some conversation perhaps about uh, some golf and the uh, World Hockey Championships if we have time in Canada's massive comeback over in 
Latvia. Yeah, some devastating news for John Rahm in the golf as he was heading into the final round with a six-shot lead but had to withdraw. So we'll ask Bob about that. Winnipeggers are finding all sorts of ways to stay active during the pandemic. New open streets are adding to cycling infrastructure, which is where we start this half hour. Yeah, that's because it's Bike Week here in Winnipeg, which means it's a chance to discuss cycling and the role it plays as a transportation option. So not just as a popular form of exercise for many of us, Greg, but a way to get to and from work to do your commute. You got it. Joining us this morning, Dave Elmore, chairperson of Bike Week. Good morning, Dave. How are you today? I'm fabulous this morning. How are you? Well, we're always doing well. The Jets are doing their best to put a damper on that, but we shall not let them win on that front either. So uh, if we understand this correctly, Bike Week started with a one-day event, the same event that we're celebrating today. That's correct. Yeah, we started in 2007 with the very first Bike to Work Day, and it has, over the years, has grown into a a week-long event uh, celebrating basically the, the bicycle and people who ride them. So even though there are fewer people going to the workplace these days, uh, is, you know, on this bike to work day, we want to know, is cycling as popular a way as ever to get to work? Well, I think it's, it's, it's continued to grow over the, over the, the last, well, especially in the last number of years. But, you know, what we've seen is, is growth right from, right from the very first bike to work day. Uh, we've seen growth in terms of the number of people on bicycles, every year and it just and this and the pandemic has only uh exacerbated that we're now seeing even more people on bicycles starting off with you know starting off maybe wanting to use them recreationally but but uh possibly looking at uh at making it more of a form of transportation for themselves so how do we do that because i know there's lots of adults right now who will go to and from work and we're trying to build up also our active transportation routes within the city of Winnipeg, which I think is key in getting people to feel that comfort level, right, Dave, in terms of getting on that bike and using it as a means to get places rather than just a means for exercise. But I'm wondering how how we get our kids, perhaps, the next generation or the up-and-coming generation to just see the bike as more than just a way to get to the playground or visit friends. Well, I think... Part of the, you know, part of what we're doing here with Bike Week is we're trying to change the culture of riding bicycles and have them have them be a bit more accepted uh, as as a form of transportation. In terms of getting, you know, anybody, whether it be adults or kids, you're absolutely right. Is that infrastructure is the key, and we we need to provide safe and comfortable uh, um, infrastructure for people so that they they feel safe and and that's that's one of the the biggest issues that we face with trying to get people to take that next step and take that next step in their journey is just getting getting comfortable with the the route that they have to take there is as you have indicated you know there's much more infrastructure than there used to be but we still have a ways to go if we want to uh, create a, a connected um, network of routes for people that they will feel comfortable on. Dave, the relationship Winnipegers have with cyclists, and it's sort of an odd way to phrase that, but that's the way I see it is that, that there seems to be this great divide. And even though you might be a motorist uh, Monday through Friday to and from work, you probably are also a cyclist. Most cyclists are also motorists, but there seems to be that great divide and, and it's less than harmonious the way 
motorists and cyclists get along in our city. Yet they may be, as I mentioned, one in the same group at times. Why do you think that is? And and how do we get over that in order to create that uh, dedicated infrastructure? Because I think that's absolutely the key to it all is having safe places to cycle. Well, I mean, there's there's always going to be some some issues uh, between people on people on bikes and people in cars. There's even even people even people walking and people in cars. That the thing is, you know, for for someone like myself who I've been a commuter for thir- 35 years now, um, I've seen an incredible um, incredible difference or change in the way that in the way that motorists and by bi- and people on bicycles get along i think it's improved greatly over the over the years and that's and that is part and parcel that has to do with the fact that we're seeing more and more bikes on the streets um when when there was 35 years ago when we were there was only just a few of us out there it was it was much tougher and and i think it was that uh people people didn't accept bicycles but they're becoming much more accepted and we just want to continue to do that through, through the work that we do at, at Bike Week and and uh, and everything else that's being done through other organizations that support a change in the cycling sort of culture. Yeah, because I admit, I've I've admitted this before, and I'll have no problem admitting it again. When it comes to riding a bike, I think the last time I rode a bike anywhere would have been when I was a teenager because I was officially old enough that I really needed to get my bike off the sidewalk. And uh, I'm a scaredy cat on riding on, I think I took my bike once down Regent Avenue and that was it. I essentially retired my days as uh, as a cyclist because I just, I can't bring myself to ride a bike on a busy street. Do you, are, do you think I'm alone in that camp or there are probably more Winnipeggers who would like to ride a bike but are just too scared to do it on a big, on a major road? Well, riding on a major road, um, certainly there, there's a sort of a different approach to that one. And, and uh, as a cycling educator, I mean, I, I've, I've ridden on busy streets and I know how to how to deal with those situations but it's never that comfortable. But the thing is that you know in a lot of cases people are just not a, not aware of the routes that are out there and that and and sometimes they think that you know that again we would love to we'd love to have point A to point B at be a nice straight line but sometimes you just have to get off the beaten track that sort of beaten track and get into the uh onto some of the side streets and there's oftentimes there's a way to get places and we and it's one of the things that we've we've tried to try to try to promote with bike with bike week and that is that we've got um we've got some recommended bike routes for people to to take from the sort of from various different areas of the city on how to get downtown um, on a relatively comfortable route. So, I mean, it can be done. And uh, you just sometimes people are just unfamiliar with, uh, with, with how to get there because they wouldn't drive that route. They would drive the route A to B on a nice straight line. And you don't necessarily have to use that route. So where do we go for that information, Dave? Because I think that's great. It might, it might not be that you don't want to. You just don't know where to begin. So if we're looking for that possibility of different routes to choose from, where do we head? Well, you can actually, if you want to head to our website uh, on bikeweekwinnipeg.com and you can look under our riding tips and we've got some recommended routes. We'll actually help people out as well if they, if they need, some, need some support. 
um, other organizations like Bike Winnipeg. Uh, there is even uh, the City of Winnipeg's bike map. I know a new one is going to be coming out, but there, it is available. Uh, the City of Winnipeg's bike map is available uh, online, and you can have a look at that and and try and and try and map yourself out a route uh, along what is you know designated as low stress or or low you know low traffic routes. Dave Elmore, chairperson of Bike Week Winnipeg, joining us live on this Bike to Work Day. Dave, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated. You're more than welcome. Thank you. And that's great uh, to know that there are uh, there is access to those maps, Loren, because I didn't know that was a thing. And uh, maybe that's something that might get me back on a bike. I miss riding a bike. It's mm-hmm. fun. Every time I go up to Clear Lake over the past, you know, 30 years, that's all you do is you ride around on a bike and you, it gives you that sense of freedom like you had as a kid. You feel so independent. And then I come back home and I get in my car or I walk. But I think if you just, if someone lays it out for you, like, here's how you could get downtown. Here's how you could get to IGF. Here's how you could get to the rink. You might be more willing to do it. So that's a great tip. Although when we were kids, we just went everywhere on a bike. We never thought about you know any of the obstacles you just found a way to do it and and now i'm like you brett there's no way there's no way that i would ride my bike to work right now i I just i just couldn't do it i just wouldn't feel safe enough and that's unfortunate yeah when i I remember going to school in junior high in particular there'd be two two bike racks in front of the school with probably i don't know 100 bikes on them like sometimes if you showed up late or like cut it close to the edge before the bell went you'd have a hard time just finding a spot to put it you're like god where am i gonna where am i gonna shoehorn this bike into this rack there's almost no but then as soon as we got to high school that was it that was done we all st- it was like we all stopped riding our bikes to school Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, sounds of the game coming up at 7.55. But before that, Loren, doctors in this province are worried about our nurses. Yeah, and this comes as nurses are voting on a potential strike action. 12,000 nurses started casting their ballots on Saturday. They've been waiting four years for a new contract. And of course, this past year has been unlike no other. And so over the weekend, yesterday, actually 64 doctors by my count who work in different sections of the hospital system, but many of them within the ERs, the emergency departments, penned a letter to the premier and to the acting health minister, Kevin Kelvin Gertzen to say these nurses need some help. They've noted the fact that they feel morale amongst emergency department nurse, nurses is at the lowest in their memory. And they go on to say because of some nursing shortages and because of some nursing vacancies, departments, quote, have turned to hiring newly graduate nurses. While we value and respect their skill, training and enthusiasm, they cannot immediately replace the experience and wisdom of a seasoned ED nurse. Furthermore, they require more training before looking after the sickest patients. And so they go on to say this places an even heavier burden on the senior nurses who subsequently continue to work under the constant threat of mandated double shifts and exhausting and frankly unsafe practice. This further contributes to burnout. And this letter again from dozens of doctors throughout Winnipeg's hospital system saying that they need some help, that this cannot continue. And of course, wages might be part of the equation, Greg, benefits, all the rest, but stress and burnout, man, how many times have you heard that over the past year for nurses? Yeah, we're also hearing about support staff. People that don't normally go anywhere near the emergency department are being called in. I heard over the weekend about physiotherapists inside the healthcare system, not private physiotherapists, but those that work within the healthcare system itself. 
being asked to work in the emergency department to help, to aid, to support those overworked nurses. The situation feels as though it's almost unimaginable right now. We've been asking you this morning on The Start with Mackling, McGarry and McNabb to text us at 204-780-6868 on songs that scream come back to you. And this one from Max from Stan Rogers. In another day And you to whom adversity has dealt the final blow With smiling bastards flying to you everywhere you go Turn to put out all your strength of arm and heart and brain and like And Max says, good morning, folks. Imagine having to be within an hour of Habtown right now as we support our newborn grandson and his parents. The sports coverage is insufferable. But the comeback song, Stan Rogers, Mary Ellen Carter. Turn to and give out all your strength of arm and heart and brain and like the Mary Ellen Carter, rise again. Max, great choice. Great choice. I even have Leafs fans emailing me this morning saying, come on already. Like, it's bad enough we had to lose to the Canadians. Can't you guys do something? So, <laughs> yes, let's do something. I feel for anyone who's in, literally in Habs Nation right now having to listen to that. Ooh. Now, now, just as quickly, for as much as they love the Habs right now, just as quickly, the media and the fans can turn on the Canadians as well. Yeah. So the Jets could do themselves a huge favor by showing up tonight, winning game four, forcing it to a game five. I was in Montreal a few years ago, and the Jets beat the Canadians on a Saturday afternoon. And the call-in shows after the game and the next morning were hilarious. It's time to get rid of Carey Price. It's time to get rid of this guy and that guy. They'll never win the cup. They're horrible. They wanted to fire just, the coach. It just game takes three one game out there. Yeah. They were ready yep. to, to burn down the rink. I had, there was like <laughs> crazy calls in Montreal after game three with the, against the Leafs. So we just need to uh, stay strong. And what is the theme of that song again? Rise up? Was that basically Rise again. Rise again. There you go. So keep those texts coming. 204-780-6868. Chance to win a Manitoba Turkey Producers prize package at 9.15 based on your texts on comeback songs. Uh, just very quickly, we, we mentioned it before Global News at 8 on this uh, letter that doctors have penned in support mm-hmm. of nurses. And uh, a lot of this, I think, has to do with the fact that uh, nurses are taking a vote. Yeah, well, the nurses are stressed out. They've been in a situation that they've never been put in before in terms of being stretched to the limits. You know, the ratio in ICUs used to be one-to-one, one nurse to one patient, and then that moved to two-to-one, and in some cases we heard three-to-one, and then we started moving patients out of province. And so we have nurses who are in the most stressful situation of their careers, doctors penning a note to the province saying, like, do something, please help. Morale has never been so low. And it all comes as nurses vote on possible strike action. They've gone four years without a contract. I think it was last fall that they finally got to the table and they've had, I believe, two dozen sessions at least uh, with the shared health or WRHA or whomever it might be at the table to try to move through this. And now they're voting for a strike. And Greg, I know there's going to be people who might say, well, hang on, now we're we're going to walk the picket line. And that's not how it would work in this situation. This is not a profession where you'll suddenly see thousands of nurses on the line, so to speak, are striking with signs outside a hospital. It'll be more of a work-to-rule thing, rotating strikes. They've already promised they're never going to pull someone out of the ICU. They're not going to pull somebody out of ER or contact tracing or anything like that. They're going to keep 
working where it's necessary. But four years without a contract, that's a long time. And this fourth year is, like we said, their most unprecedented, probably for many worst year they've ever experienced. There will be some, though, many listening right now wondering why now? Why must you take this vote now? You've been four years without a contract. Can you not wait until the pandemic is is over or we get back to a better sense or a closer semblance of normal, whether that be our new normal or not? I think there'll be some people thinking that this is uh, politics, that this is taking advantage of the situation. I don't count myself in that camp, but I know there are going to be lots of people wondering why must they do this now? Yeah, I think, though, four years is quite some time. We had the first wave, then we had the second wave. We're now in the third wave. So like average Manitobans are saying, when is this going to be over? Nurses are just, they're Manitobans too. And so, yes, we're coming through. We hope the third wave, but we've had people talk about a fourth wave. Vaccinations continue. So it just, I would, I would, you know, I suspect that what they're thinking is why not now when it's very clear how very crucial they are to this system? Why not now? And is that political? I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just going four years without a proper contract and saying, when, if we don't fight now, when do we fight? Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, this song, Get Back, by the Beatles, as suggested by Linda. And Linda says this is her comeback song. As it pertains to the Jets, why? Because the Jets can get back to where you once belong. And the Jets belong in the winner's circle tonight. So keep your comeback song suggestions coming. And if you have a story to go with that, 204-780-6868. Chance to win a Manitoba Turkey Producers prize pack just after 9.15. And, of course, that's what we're about to talk about right now because... Greg Mackling, it's our weekly visit with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the legend himself, Bob Irving. Yeah, and Bob, I don't usually like to read back your work to you, but uh, I think you captured the sense of thousands of Manitobans and thousands of people who follow and love the Winnipeg Jets across North America, around the world. Jets are a hot mess right now. Top players not producing. Confidence is gone. Montreal can do no wrong. Painful to watch for the jets legions of fans and i think there's no simpler way to ask this question bob what on earth has happened to the jets and was the first round a mirage well greg you'd have to say what what's happened is a rather precipitous fall from grace for the winnipeg jets who swept edmonton four games although three of them went at overtime and uh, the fans were riding high the jets were riding high filled with confidence And it's all fallen apart. You know, that first game against Montreal, which they lost, you could write off to, you know, rust and they hadn't played for eight or nine days and all the rest of it. The second game, they lose 1-0. It's a game they, you know, with a break here or there, they could have won. Uh, But last night, wow, they just, uh, they didn't look good at all. Their top players are not producing. Their confidence appears to be gone. And confidence is a fragile thing at the best of times in professional athletics. The Canadians can do no wrong at all. Uh, you know, they're getting some breaks here and there. They're getting great goaltending, of course, from Carey Price. There's no doubting that. I think that what happened at the end of Game 1 has taken some air out of the Jets, the Mark Shifley play. I think it deflated his team to a degree. It's inspired the Canadians to a degree. 
I think it's a big part of what's going on here, and I don't mean to put the blame all at Shifley's feet, but I think that play has been very impactful to what has gone on since then, and not in a good way for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the Carey Price story is another one entirely. He struggled early in this season. Of course, he's a great goaltender, one of the greats of this era. Jake Allen played more games than Price did this year in goal for Montreal, and part of that was injury-related. But Carey Price was not playing very well at various times this season. But he's unbeatable now almost, and Montreal's won six straight. Let's not forget they beat Toronto three in a row when they were down 3-1, and Toronto was considered the best team in the North Division. So it's not like the Jets are you know, getting beaten by a bunch of scrubs here. The Canadians are really uh, going great guns right now. So I don't know. The Jets are just going to have to go out tonight and try to get an early lead, which would help tremendously, uh, you know, Coming, trying to come back all the time is very, very difficult. Maybe they can get an early lead and go on and win a game and turn this thing around. But right now, it does not look very good, and it's not very easy to watch for the Jets fans. You mentioned confidence. I just wanted to touch on that briefly, Bob. The idea that you know they just that deflated is the right word that you used, I think, for where they're at. And such a short time between Game Three and Game Four. So, is there something that can be said to boost that back up, or is that an internal struggle? Do you think for several of our key players that they needed to just figure out themselves? Yeah, it's an internal struggle. I think, uh, Loren, there's a great connection between how you feel mentally and how you perform physically. And right now the Jets are down mentally. They just are. There's no question about it. I think it's great that they're playing again right away. You know, to sit around for a couple of days and stew over this would not do them any good. Uh, They need to get a lead early in the game and and then start feeling good about themselves. Get maybe a lucky goal and say, hey, things are going to break our way for once. I think those all things can add up uh, in a positive way for the Winnipeg Jets. So, yeah, tonight's uh, the early stages of this tonight, I think, are critical for them. Hey, look, they could win the game tonight. There's no reason they can't. Uh, you know, they're good enough to beat Montreal one game for sure. They played well against them all during the regular season. So let's see if they can get something started tonight. It's not over yet. I know it's dismal and it looks very negative and all the rest of it, and there's no getting around that. But uh, maybe they can kind of get the wheel turned a bit tonight. And our question of the day at cjob.com for Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Question is, are the Winnipeg Jets finished? And so far, 66% say, yeah, they're done. 29% say, it ain't over till it's over. And 5% say they might win a couple. Cast your vote, cjob.com or on Twitter at 680CJOB. Meanwhile, the Blue Bombers and the CFL continue to work towards a return to play plan. A lot of provinces giving blessings to their respective teams. And the CPL will begin its season here in Winnipeg. So this seems like a great sign for the CFL and uh, terrific news for the pro soccer teams from across the country playing at IGF to begin their season. Well, this would be another Wade Miller conquest, you guys. And, of course, you remember last fall when the CFL was still on the verge of uh, trying to play. Wade Miller had put together a plan to have a hub here in Winnipeg. It, It didn't work out, but he's done the same thing now with the soccer. And, of course, Winnipeg's Valor FC is part of that league. So I think we tip our hat again to Wade Miller and the work he does to to try and make these things happen. Uh, I'm more positive now, Brett, than I've ever been about there being CFL football this fall. You know, when uh, Jason Kenney, the 
Premier of Alberta says we're going to open things up. Basically, if 70% of the people get vaccinated, we'll have full stadiums in Edmonton and Calgary. I guess you can say that might be foolhardy, but he has said that, and that's a great sign for Canadian football being played this fall. So I think it is going to happen. As I say, I'm more confident than ever. Brad, you touched on the Bombers. They formally announced today the re-signing of defensive end Jonathan Kongbo. This is a big deal. He's a Canadian player. Uh, he was part of their great cup winning team. He left to go to the NFL and try his luck with San Francisco. It didn't work out there. Uh, his return has added tremendously to the Bombers' Canadian depth. So I would say on the football front, all signs are positive right now. Of course, we all know things can change, but it's looking good. Yeah, one of those ratio bright breakers potentially in the return of Kongbo, uh, Bob. I know you and Brett want to talk about a golf story, but I just want to touch on the I. IIHF World Hockey Championships in Latvia. Gerard Gallant, the head coach of Team Canada, uh, saw his team lose their first three games in that tournament. And then they storm back and come back to win the gold medal. An extraordinary accomplishment in my mind, regardless of which players are playing in the tournament, which players are not. But Canada doesn't necessarily pay a, a ton of attention to this tournament until Team Canada gets into semifinal territory kind of a neat finish yesterday with the pardon the pun with the three-on-three overtime against Finland for the gold medal well everybody written Canada off and this tournament you're right Greg does fly under the radar because it occurs during the Stanley Cup playoffs and this Canadian team has a bunch of no-name guys really you know they brought some players in from the KHL for heaven's sake some Canadian players to play for their team they lose their first three games they're out of it as far as everybody's concerned. Then they win, and they need some help at the end to get into the playoffs, and everything falls their way, and then they go on to win the gold medal. It's a great story. It's one of the really, really great stories of the last week in the world of sports, but uh, it's the World Hockey Championship when the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. It just doesn't get the profile that it maybe should. And Greg mentioned the golf. John Rahm. Uh, one of the top golfers in the world. He had a six-shot lead heading into the final round of the Memorial. And just as he wraps up his round, Bob, he got some pretty devastating news uh, that had to lead him to withdraw. Yeah, so on Monday of last week, Rom was identified as a close contact to someone with COVID. And under the rules on the PGA Tour, he then had to be tested every day. And he was told on Monday, look, we need to test you every day. And if you do test positive at any point, you'll be out of the tournament. He said, okay, I'll take my chances. So he goes ahead and plays. Everything's fine. Thursday, negative test. Friday, negative test. Saturday, his test comes in. His test result comes in. At the end of round three, he's got a six-shot lead, is probably going to win $1.2 million first place prize purse on Sunday. And he's told, sorry, you tested positive. You're out of the tournament. So a crushing weekend for John Rahm, although he handled it beautifully. He really did. He said, look, these things happen in life, and I'm going to watch the final round and cheer for the guys, and I'll be back as soon as I can. He's really a, a class act. I think what happened, too, now is I understand that a lot of players on the PGA Tour have not been vaccinated. They simply did not want to be vaccinated. But this should change that approach to getting vaccinated now because John Rahm lost over a million dollars in prize money by testing positive for COVID. And how do you avoid that? Well, you get vaccinated. Everybody out there hearing that? I like uh, it. 1.2 million. I'd like to have that on the line. I'd like that to be a consequence of not being vaccinated. Uh, a different world for us, Bob. Well, I guess for the three of us, you, you know. Yeah. 
you probably can, can relate to, to Rom a little bit better than we can. Well, I don't know about that. It's quite a story, though, and I think, you know, the bottom line is uh, vaccination should be good for all of us. That's just me, and I know everybody's got their own opinion on that. But uh, I think John Rom has a pretty clear opinion on vaccination right now. Well, I mean, uh, the, the sooner we all get vaccinated, the sooner we can fill IG Field and watch the go. Blue Bombers. Yeah, there you go. Bob Irving joins us every Monday just after the 830 News. Bob, thank you as always, sir. Okay, my pleasure, as always. McGarry and McNabb, this comeback song suggestion from Rudy. It's the second Rocky shout-out this morning. Mine was the war theme from Rocky Four, and Rudy has chosen Gonna Fly Now, the original Rocky theme, because it's a fight to the end for the Winnipeg Jets as they seek the comeback of comebacks down three games to none against the Montreal Canadiens. Game four tonight, pregame show at five. We're giving away the prize based on your text messages on comeback songs in our next segment, Manitoba Turkey Producers Prize Pack. So stand by to find out who wins, and you still have time to get in. 204-780-6868. In the meantime, it is shaping up to be another hot one today, high of 29. But that is, of course, nothing compared to what many sections of this province saw, Loren, on Friday and into Saturday. Yeah, we've been talking for weeks, really months now, about how unseasonably warm it's been throughout much of Manitoba and, of course, also very, very dry. That has some asking, is this how things looked or is this how things appeared in the dirty 30s? And here's the tweet that got us thinking that way. It's from the account Rob's Obs, and on Friday he wrote, quote, The 41.3 Celsius reading in Gretna appears to be the hottest temperature in Manitoba since the Dust Bowl era of the 1930s, Greg. Wow, and that's funny because I know a lot of people who claim to have worked in and have experienced 40 degrees in Manitoba. Was it all a mirage? Was it all a lie? Robert Paula is the vase behind the account Rob's Obs. He's a former meteorologist with Environment Canada, but spends much of his retirement watching the weather and making his own observation. Thus, Rob's Obs. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. Thank you for doing this with us. Uh, I'm a huge fan, by the way. So uh, thank you for joining us on the start. Uh, that temperature we saw in Gretna. I know, like I said, I know a lot of people who claim to have survived 40-degree heat in Manitoba. Has it really been since the 1930s since we saw that temperature or something a little more recent? Uh, well, we did uh, further checking on uh, the occurrence of 40-degree temperatures in uh, Manitoba. And... Uh, the last time we saw 40 Celsius officially by Environment Canada recording weather stations uh, was back on August 1st, 1989, when uh, the Southern Red River Valley again uh, experienced uh, 40 Celsius temperatures. So it was about 30 years since we've seen temperatures that high uh, in Manitoba. Now, one thing people may, uh, when they say they've experienced 40 Celsius, a lot of times uh, they're Think they're thinking humidex values, uh, where uh, humidity is taken into account, and that's not the actual air temperature. That is um, a, com- a derived value based on the temperature and the humidity. So, humidex values um, commonly in the summer can reach 40 or more. 
but these were the actual air temperatures uh, we're talking about that reached 40 Celsius, which is a less frequent occurrence. You know, it's so dry out. Uh, there's so much wind. I, it was funny. Just yesterday, I scratched my. I was just scratching my leg, and I'm doing it now. And as I do it, I'm just like leaving. The, <laughs> it looks like I've been attacked by a cat. My skin is so dry. You can see every scratch mark. Um, are there other conditions at play that look similar to what was seen back in the 30s? Well, uh, certainly precipitation levels are very dry. Uh, we, uh, here in Winnipeg, um, we just came off the driest year on record in 2020. Uh, and then our fall and winter were quite dry as well. We didn't have much uh, of a snow of snowfall this past winter. Uh, we had a very early snow melt, uh, and we haven't had very much precipitation this spring. Um, since uh, late 2019, we've had, uh, every month has been below normal uh, in precipitation uh, here in uh, Winnipeg. Uh, so that's going on like 18 months or so now of uh, consecutive months below normal. So our precipitation deficit uh, as of uh, May 31st is running around 300 millimeters uh, since the end of 2019. So we're quite dry. Uh Similar similar dryness to uh, the Dust Bowl in the 1930s. Yeah, and that, of course, is what we talk about. With there were severe dust storms. There was all sorts of agriculture damage, farms lost. There were pictures back then, Robert, that I've seen of dust or dirt or sand drifts that looked like snow drifts, but they were several feet high, composed of dust for, or dirt from fields and topsoil blowing and erosion and all the rest. And so a lot of times when we talk about this, we're talking about food security, right? And how our crops survive this kind of thing. And, and what's different now, do you think, or in terms of what you've been reading and seeing compared to them that might be the difference maker that will allow us to say it's not like the 30s because of the, maybe the way we plant or what we grow or all the rest? Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, the 1930s, uh, a, a very dry decade, uh, was characterized by frequent dust storms. And, and we've seen those pictures of uh, these massive clouds of black billowing dust uh, drifting across the prairies and the Great Plains of the United States. In fact, they called them black blizzards back then. They were basically would reduce the visibility near zero in the middle of the day, turn day into night. Uh, with this, these tremendous dust storms blowing uh, topsoil right across the prairies and plains. Uh, since then, we, uh, they, they found out that uh, they were instituting poor agricultural practices. They, they uh, removed a lot of the uh, native grasses and, and, and vegetation that uh, allowed the winds to uh, blow the topsoil a lot more, a lot more easily. So uh, since then, they've got the better agricultural practice with irrigation, crop rotation. So they make much better soil management use now so that we're not seeing those dust storms, uh, even though we have similar dry conditions uh, experiencing right now. Rob, when we talk about these extreme temperatures, we, we were speaking with the city of Winnipeg earlier and and roads uh, with concrete, quote unquote, exploding and uh, expansion joints not being able to contain sections of, of, of concrete on Chief Pegwas Trail. And then you talk about the, the battle we have in the in the spring and in the fall and uh, throughout the winter with regard to potholes. Is there a, a more extreme populated area than the Red River Valley, than Winnipeg? Uh, well, I mean, the prairies are 
very prone to extremes uh, in our climate here. We, uh, we're away from the moderating influences of uh, large lakes or, uh, or uh, the ocean. Uh, so we are at the mercy of uh, large uh, extreme air masses coming across North America. Um, so we can go with wild swings between uh, severe cold uh, in the winter to extreme heat in the summer. Uh, and we've seen this, you know, throughout our climate, um, and even this year. Uh, remember that uh, very frigid cold snap we had in February for about uh, 10 days. Our temperature didn't rise above minus 20. Um, but then, you know, once uh, once the snow melts and uh, we get into the uh, spring and summer months, we can also see on the opposite end of the scale uh, extreme heat, um, and that's just. Uh, a normal characteristic of a, of a continental climate that we are find ourselves in the prairies. Robert Paula, the man behind Rob's Obs on social media, former meteorologist with Environment Canada, and spends much of his retirement watching the weather, uh, much to our fascination and appreciation. Robert, thank you for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Uh, you're welcome. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We got this one a couple of times this morning. I know Dean was one. Uh, Andrew was the other one. Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it anymore. One of the great comeback songs, or at least songs that make you feel like a comeback, is in the offing. And Greg, why don't you read uh, what Andrew had to say? For a comeback, you need to keep it simple. High energy with attitude. This one is a guilty pleasure. The video where the teenage boy stands up to his military dad and says... I want to rock is all attitude and how I like to motivate myself when facing a challenge. We're not going to take it anymore from Twisted Sister. Thank you, Andrew. And Andrew threw, throws in the good old go Jets go. Great we, got, video. we got lots of great suggestions here. Garth, for example, had holding out for a hero by Bonnie Tyler. Uh, as used, and this is a very specific reference, as used in Short Circuit 2, <laughs> when Johnny Five was chasing yeah. the boat at the end. <laughs> when they smashed Johnny Five, when they beat him down with bats, I cried like a <gasps> baby in the theater. It was so traumatizing. It's traumatic. Number five Agreed. is alive. Uh, I, I wonder if that movie would still stand the test of time today. I should try that for my kids. Well, so I know one of the characters is uh, definitely played with, uh, uh, shall we say, racial insensitivity, uh, okay. if memory then, serves. Yes, right. Um, but I was thinking more of the robot, you know, and like when it, it's like when you look back at the original Star Wars and versus what they see now and the different graphics, you know, like that kind of thing. I think it probably would. It was a pretty good practical effect. If memory serves. And he had so much character. He was such a great... Ca- I gotta go back and watch Short Circuit again. In the meantime, this is our winning song. And you to whom adversity has dealt the final blow With smiling bastards flying to you everywhere you go Turn to and put out all your strength of arm and heart and brain And like the merry Ellen Carter eyes again Stan Rogers, the Mary Ellen Carter. This was from Max Loren. This makes me want to have a beer, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree, maybe get on a ship. I don't know, all of the above. Max texted to say, good morning, folks. Imagine having to be within an hour of Habtown right now as we support our newborn grandson and his parents. The sports coverage is insufferable, Max texts. The comeback song, Stan Rogers, Mary Ellen Carter. 
turn to and give out all your strength of arm and heart and brain and like the Mary Ellen Carter rise again. You got to play it, Max says. Go Jets, go. And just so you know, they, they drove out there. Um, they're there for three weeks trying to give new parents help as they settle in with their new child. Uh, COVID limits the help that their son can actually get right now. And, and he's returning to work in Quebec today. And then they'll, of course, come home to the peg at the end of the month and do all they're supposed to do with COVID. And, and they'll return to a turkey. Brett. That's right. The Manitoba Turkey Producers Prize Pack, which includes a frozen Manitoba raised grade A whole turkey and a barbecue scraper and a basting brush and digital meat thermometer and more. Congrats, Max. Thank you for that wonderful suggestion. And thanks to all for playing along as usual. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, in a moment, we want to tell you a story about a pro athlete who had to deal with tremendous adversity in recent days and seemed to do so with a smile on his face. It's the circumstances he endured would would leave everybody just pulling their hair out, but he didn't seem to care. So we really want to share this with you because I think uh, when it comes to facing adversity, uh, we could all learn something from this guy. But before that, we just want to quickly recap, Loren, this letter that went out uh, from several dozen doctors in support of our nurses. Yeah, 64 doctors from all three of the city's emergency rooms, they've written this letter to both Premier Brian Pallister and the acting health minister, Kelvin Gertzen, to basically say they have, quote, grave concerns over what's been going on in emergency departments across the city. A shortage of senior nurses, they say, that's called for the fact that we now have nurses who just recently graduated working in the ERs. And in the letter, they say that's no disrespect to those recent graduates, but they don't necessarily have the experience to just hit the ground running, that they don't necessarily have the training. And that from this doctor's perspective, this group of doctors, they haven't seen morale so low in nurses for quite some time. And so the pandemic stress is obviously part of that. We've put in a request to both the Premier and the Acting Health Minister for a response to this letter. What do they have to say about that? But of course, this letter comes at a time when nurses, 12,000 nurses in this province, are deciding whether or not they want to strike. They've been without a contract for four years. So four years without a contract. They went back to the table in October. I think there's been a few dozen meetings between them and their bosses trying to work things out and in the meantime, they haven't been able to work it out. And so they're they're deciding in votes that are taking place over the past 48 hours and now whether or not to strike. And that had us talking about the idea, okay, well, why now? What is it that's triggering this now after four years in the middle of a pandemic? Some people might be stressed about the nurses. And there's a couple of things we want to mention. We had talked about the fact that this wouldn't work like a typical strike for potentially another union. They're essential workers, so they would do rotating strikes. It doesn't mean they'd be pulling nurses out of ICUs or ERs or crucial positions. It's more of a a work to rule. And under the current system, they can strike for 60 days. And at the 60th day, it then has to go to arbitration. What we've been told by some of our nurses in our audience and other texters who have written in, they've said, yeah, hang on. It's not just about the contract being four years. It's that if they wait until September... This Bill 16 that's on the tables, it will kick in and it will remove some of that right to arbitration. They might not have the ability to go to arbitration. And so there's a bit of that going on in the background. Uh, but in the foreground, very much is the idea that, Greg, nurses are stressed. Um, they're doing many double shifts. They're working overtime. And so while they go through that work, they're also going through it without uh, a contract. And so lots to discuss on that throughout the day. 
How, how patient have they been? Four years is an awfully long time for uncertainty on a variety of different fronts. We've seen massive overhauls and changes in Manitoba's healthcare system in Winnipeg in particular with the changing of, of ERs and closing of ERs and conversion to urgent care centers. And then, of course, we had so many nurses who had to basically, they lost their jobs and had to reapply for them all over again, regardless of their experience or expertise and their seniority. So there have been a variety of different situations over the last several years. And to imagine that you've been doing that without a contract, you haven't forced a strike, you haven't even taken a vote on that to this point. Well, I was asking the, that question, why now? Well, I had forgotten about Bill 16 and the rights that it aims to essentially take away from many workers in Manitoba and that ability for collective bargaining and, of course, arbitration as well. So uh, that's obviously a big part of the timing of this, uh, regardless of how you feel about it. Uh, this, this needs to get sorted out sooner than later. So we'll have much on this throughout the day, I'm sure. And you can also read more at cjob.com. Now we want to switch gears. We've been talking about comebacks this morning. Jets, of course, facing some pretty tremendous adversity, being down three games to none. And Greg, over the weekend, you shared with us a tweet about a, a golfer who experienced <laughs> some really, un, quite frankly, unimaginable uh, adversity as it pertains to what he needed to get his job done. Yeah, well, imagine if, uh, Loren, your computer, and uh, what, what's the name of that magic machine that sits beside your computer? The Commander? Yes. Oh, I forgot. Is it 6,000? No, Commander G3. Either way, if the Commander was MIA along with your computer, those are your tools of your trade presently, and uh, I would be lost without my computer and the, the tools that I need to, to do what I do with you guys every morning. Well, could you imagine being a professional golfer? And, I mean, this does happen, but professional golfer, Scott Hand is his name. He's Australian. He plays on the European Tour. And, um, yep, Air France and Delta lost his golf clubs. He was uh, everywhere from patient to not very patient on social media about it. But the way he dealt with it, on the golf course was absolutely incredible in my mind. Thursday out of Florida via Paris into Copenhagen because they wouldn't change my flight to come straight to Hamburg. So anyone says why didn't I fly to Hamburg, I wouldn't change it. And then they ended up losing my clubs and my suitcase. So I got in late yesterday, ran down to the mall to Uniqlo, bought a shirt, some pants, underpants. The worst part about it is the underpants, they're shocking. And then uh, yellow pair of socks, Scott Jameson gave me a hat. Scott Jameson gave me his shoes. Stephen Gallagher gave me his, his golf bag and some clubs, which I don't know how he swings them. He must be so strong because I can't use them. I'm hitting everything fat. <laughs> and then um, got the fairway woods from the gentleman who owns a, owns a golf course here and his putter, which obviously works for him, not for me, and Alexander Levy's driver. I don't know how he hits that because it goes in the crap all the time for me. So it's been a challenge, but I broke 80. So I'm hoping I get my golf clubs tonight and I can maybe shoot 78 tomorrow with my own clubs. Were you able to at least get some, some sleep last night? I saw on social media that you had to change rooms at last minute because air conditioning. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, around 11 o'clock, they couldn't get my air conditioner to work, so the guy said, yeah, yeah I'll be staying here till tomorrow or change tonight. And I, I'm not sleeping in this sauna. So changed rooms, and then he said it was a little too late to get room service, so 
it was just one of those days. Just just one of those days when you travel and nothing seems to go how you wish it'd go. But uh, you know what? Maybe I'm saving all my luck up for for the last third of the year. We'll see what happens. Hang in there. I think yeah. your luck's due to change. Yeah, and I need a shave as well. So hopefully my bag arrives, arrives tonight so I can get my razor blade. <laughs> just so, so lackadaisical about it. Yeah, and uh, update from uh, Scott Men's Twitter as of 18 hours ago. He still did not have his golf clubs. No delivery. Golf bag has gone from uh, CDG, which I believe is Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, yeah. to CPH, which is uh, Copenhagen, and uh, back and forth. And he jokes that his clubs got more air miles than I have. I to, to be able to go out and break 80, and for those not familiar with golf, the lower the score, the better. And uh, for a reg, for a, like a hacker like me, if I were to break 80, I would be thrilled, just thrilled. Uh, for a pro, if you're just barely breaking 80, that's not really all that great. Most of the pros shoot around 70, uh, sometimes in the 60s, sometimes even in the 50s, if they're really on fire. Uh, but for him to be able to break 80 with none of his own equipment, you know, it sounds like he just had this mixed bag. Like, it, that sounds like a hand-me-down bag. Usually your first mm-hmm. golf bag is a hand-me-down that's just full of all these random clubs that have been collected over the years by people. And, uh, you know, he's dealing with stuff that's not his. The bag isn't his. So that's enough to throw. Like, if you're – many golfers have very fragile minds. <laughs> we're, we're a strange, stupid bunch, and we like to punish ourselves by playing this game and – Anything can throw me off. So to have to go on and compete in a tournament with just this bag of nuts and bolts and still do it with a smile on his face and just be like, yeah, I broke 80, so that's good. And he was so modest, too, like saying, I don't know how he hits this club because I can't hit it. And I just thought it was was great. And it was a good reminder, Loren, that even though you might want to have a reason to smash, for Brett to smash, sometimes it's better to just try to stay positive. Yeah, push through. I had to, I I read that story. Like I think there you could read that story and think to yourself, oh, that's so unfortunate. But then when you think about just sort of the attitude at the end of it, uh, how how you get yourself there without just whining and being miserable, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. But I, but I dig it. Eighty is the new thirty, which is forty is the new fifty. I don't know. Orange is the new black, as I said last week. I don't know. But eighty is or, something to be or- proud of, I guess. Or yellow? What possessed him to buy yellow socks? Was that an effort to cheer himself up? And, yeah, and Brad, I couldn't quite make out what he was saying about the underwear. The Good. fact that he had to buy new underwear, and and he made some comment about it, but I I wasn't exactly clear what it was that he said about it. But I can only imagine that that'll set your game uh, off a little bit as well. Do you have uh, <laughs> a specific set of underwear you like to play in, Brett? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I've got three pairs that I prefer to play with. They're a bit more snug, shall we say? I don't know. A bit more. They feel a bit more sleek or athletic, as it were. Uh, so I just uh, I prefer to wear those. So yeah, yeah. To, even that, you're, that's another great point, Greg. To, if you have to go and buy something completely different that you're not used to, if they're the comfort level is different, that would be enough too to throw you off. So I just thought this was a great reminder that you know what. In a, lot of, in a lot of cases, it could be worse. He still got to go out and play golf for his job. He just had to do it in a different way. Uh, so I appreciate his attitude. And that's something that I'm going to try to just remember whenever I find myself getting angry at the world. Just take a breath and 
enjoy the moment and realize it'll get better. It'll get better. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.